the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stoniker. I am your host and looking forward to sharing with you a conversation that I have had with a man who understands giving you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. It's crazy living in a world like the one that we live in. We are not suffering to find people with opinions. In fact, everywhere we go, someone is telling us what they think. We get on social media. Something that we were sold would be a place where we could connect with friends and family, and really what we find there is a lot of people with a lot of opinions, and many of those opinions disagree with ours, and then we get pulled into a fight, and then things get crazy. That's the world of social media. Uh, That's why people go on social media fast, to get away from all of it. But what we live in is a world with a lot of information, people pushing their opinions and the information that they think is important on you all of the time. And as we're navigating an ever-changing culture, as we're navigating a world that it seems almost daily is changing, uh, what was true yesterday, I put true in air quotes, what was true yesterday is not true today, Uh, what we accepted yesterday we no longer accept today. Things are changing all of the time. The weapon that we have, really what we can hang on to as we navigate that world that's constantly changing, is good information. I'm thankful to have on with me today a guest who, as an attorney, has seen so many things happen in particularly our legal system, in our country, in the structure that we live in politically, and decided to begin writing writing and speaking so that he could provide really what he believes from his perspective is good information that people can accept, that they can take, that they can use to navigate the world around them. That's what we try to do on this show. And so I'm very grateful to have on with me today my guest, Elid Hakim. My guest is Elad Hakim. Elad is an attorney and columnist, a regular guest on OAN and a number of other outlets, uh, published in the Washington Examiner, the Federalist, so many other places. Elad, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Um, it, it is an honor to have you on. I want to talk about really kind of our, our country and the processes, the independence of states. We've got a lot to talk about. But before we get there, for those of our of those in our audience who don't know you, uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us your background, kind of how you were raised. Worldview is so important to me. I, I always want to know why people look at the world and what's happening the way that they do, kind of how that was formed in your life and, and why you're doing the work that you're doing now. Well, you know, I've always been conservative. Uh, you know, I was told that as I got older, I would become less conservative. I yeah. think it's quite the opposite. I've gone the other way, yes. Um, you know, grew up actually born in Israel, uh, lived in a bunch of different states kind of throughout the country. My father's uh, work kind of brought us from place to place. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, 
a licensed attorney, practicing attorney, uh, focused, <clears throat> excuse me, primarily on uh, litigation, 100% litigation, um, commercial and civil disputes. And uh, ironically, I got into the, the whole writing thing after the um, Parkland shooting, or primarily mm. after the Parkland shooting. Interesting. Uh, started started to write. Um, you know, I always liked writing, but I never kind of wrote in the public kind of sphere in the public forum. And I wrote a piece in a local paper down in South Florida, and uh, and then since then, kind of uh, it blossomed. And you know, I appreciate you know, especially with the the world being the way it is now. Yeah, I think that conservatives have to speak out and uh, and have to. You know, I use the word educate, not that I, you know, know so much more than everyone else, but inform uh, people about what's going on and what the risks are, because I think that many people kind of go out and they they vote and they don't necessarily understand everything that they are voting on or the ramifications of what their votes actually mean. So I, I you know, I kind of took it upon myself to to write and then eventually kind of uh, try to get by my face out there also to try to help inform people. Um, growing up in Israel, how has that, uh, I guess it wouldn't change, but how has that informed how you look at what's happening in the United States? Well, you know, I was a kid. I came to this, this to the States when I was young, but, you know, look, Israel is, is different. You know, people yeah. in Israel are raised differently. They, they, you know, men and women have to go and serve in the military. Uh, so it's a, it's a different you know, every day there is is you kind of never know what's going to happen the next day. Yeah. Um, so it's different. It's a different mentality uh, that Americans have, um, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's kind of the way of life there. Uh, you have to to approach things differently. But uh, you know, kind of fast forwarding the situation now uh, between America and Israel is uh, less than stellar, let's yeah. say, uh, compared to what it was. Yeah, a lot of work had been done, and I think we've taken several steps backwards in the last uh, even just couple of years. Um, let, let's let's talk about you know America and how it works, because a lot of people don't understand this. The Supreme Court has recently issued some decisions, given some decisions that, uh, frankly, I was surprised about. Um, I, I had <laughs> I had great hopes for the Supreme Court, and then I kind of lost all faith in the Supreme Court. And then in the last couple of months, uh, really the last month or so. Um, some great decisions coming out of the Supreme Court, including the Roe decision, uh, the gun decision out of New York, and some others. Um, And a lot of what has happened is, at least the way I I read it, the Supreme Court has said, these are not federal issues, these are states' issues. These are state issues. And uh, that has caused a lot of people a lot of heartache. Um, Honestly, the Roe decision, I, I knew people wouldn't like it, but I was surprised um, by what people have said. I, this is kind of anecdotal, I guess, but I was listening to a running podcast the other day. It's a podcast about running, and uh, the person being interviewed is a woman, and she's very well-known in the running community. And the host asked her how she felt about women in sport, women in running, and if the world has opened up and if things have gotten better. And she said, you know, it's, it's such a hard time to be a woman right now. Our rights are being taken away. And we don't know what's going to happen next. And we're taking steps backward. And she took this this hard turn to talk about how rights of women have been taken away. And again, I think so much of this is a misunderstanding of, A, what the ruling was, um, but B, the role of the federal government in the life of states. 
Can you unpack some of that for us? Help us to see this correctly, not just the Supreme Court uh, decision on Roe, but how we function as a country and why we function the way we do, and good, bad, or otherwise, how we should look at some of these things. Well, first, I should say that woman was right. I mean, women's rights are being taken away if you're a female athlete. Right. You know, if you're a, if you're a female athlete, then your sure, rights sure, are certainly sure. being taken away because you're being uh, inundated by biological men who right. are taking away opportunities for Right, you. sure. Uh, That's not what but, she was talking about, oddly, but that is a great know, point. That is a great point. <laughs> uh, so, so, look, uh, you know, the first to your point – the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs was completely misconstrued. It was not only misconstrued by, by non-lawyers, but it was misconstrued by lawyers also. And I think it's part of a, a bigger point. You know, we have the, the different branches of government and the branches of government, you know, the legislative, executive, and judicial, and each plays a different role. You know, one of them uh, creates the law, one of them enforces the law, and one of them interprets the law. All right, so we have those three branches, and it's all part of a system of federalism. And federalism basically is um, a way of, of breaking down power so that no branch of government mm. has too much power. Right. Um, and just so your listeners understand, you know, you can understand what would happen, for example, if uh, Joe Biden and the executive branch, for example, had all the power yep. to make all the decisions, who you can, whether you could own guns, who you can marry, um, whether you could have an abortion. You can obviously see the problem that would come up with that because uh, you have one group of people having too much power. So the system of federalism kind of breaks it down. And uh, on top of that, you have, you know, state issues and you have federal issues. You know, in the Supreme Court, uh, which is part of the judicial branch, just recently, and just, just for an example, issued the Dobbs, you know, the Dobbs opinion. And in the Dobbs opinion, you have to – the Supreme Court basically said the issue of abortion – is not found anywhere in the U.S. Constitution. And because of that, we, the Supreme Court, don't really have the jurisdiction yeah. here to make any sort of decision. And just so people understand, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But so the Supreme Court said, OK, since we don't have the right to decide anything, this is going back to the states and it's going back to the state legislatures. And it's up to the people. You know, the people elect their state legislatures and they can vote. Uh, for who they want, and based on who they vote for, the state will yeah. decide on the issue of abortion. So what then did the Biden administration do? The Biden administration said, well, wait a minute. We're not happy with the Supreme Court decision, and we're going to go ahead and issue an executive order. Um, and in that executive order, the which really meant nothing. I mean, an executive order isn't law per right. se. Um, the Biden administration started kind of... Uh, I think it was more posturing for people who were going gung-ho yeah, um, right. when it came to the, the Dobbs decision. Yeah. But it gave uh, – it, it kind of made certain guarantees or promises with respect to abortion, and it tried to kind of take away the rights from the states. The Supreme Court just said, hey, the issue of abortion belongs to the states. The decision belongs to the states. So the Biden administration kind of tried to circumvent the Supreme Court decision and give it back to the states, uh, give it back to the federal government. And on top of that, Congress then went ahead and said, that's not even enough. We want to go ahead and codify the road, you know, the issue of abortion. And the problem with that is for Congress to act, Congress has to act by way of some sort of constitutional power. Otherwise, Congress can't just decide to yeah. do whatever Congress wants to do. 
uh, you know, it'd be nice if Congress just go ahead and make any law it decides. <laughs> now, Congress can go ahead and make a law, for example, if someone is not following the Constitution. But Congress can't go ahead and redefine a constitutional right. right, right. And that's what Congress is trying to do here. Um, so, so we have the three branches. They all have a different power. Uh, the states have state constitutions that are many times more strict than the federal constitution. And, uh, and you have the system of federalism, which distinguishes between the different powers, not only of the federal government, but between the state and federal government, the, the state government and the federal government. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. When you look at everything that's happening and... It's easy to dismiss the reaction of people, particularly on the left, as they just misunderstood. So they've misunderstood this. They don't know how it works. They don't understand what you just explained. Um, that's an easy explanation. Do you see it as simply people who are responding don't know how all of this works, and that's why they're responding the way that they are? Or is there something bigger at work? Uh, you know, I, I go to the other uh, other extreme where... To me, it feels like the not just the Biden administration, but those on the left are trying to uh, consolidate power in the federal government. How do you view not only the reaction, but the, but the steps that are being taken by the administration? Oh, 100 percent. I agree with you. And, you know, let me let me clarify by misunderstand. I, I, I think that people genuinely some people genuinely misunderstand based on what they're fed. sure. Sure. So they are. Well, clearly, people in Congress understand yeah, the yeah. opinion. Clearly, you know, most lawyers understand what the Supreme Court is saying, but they are construing it and they are characterizing it in a way which is feeding into, you know, it's causing uh, this, this, this rift between Republicans and Democrats. But further to your point, absolutely, Democrats are, are trying to consolidate power. And it's not only with respect to abortion. I mean, you look at a perfect example is the, the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Constitution is also clear that it's up to the states, the state legislatures to determine the the place, manner, the place and manner, time, place and manner of elections. So what do the Democrats do? Unfortunately, for people like Joe Manchin and a few others, they tried to pass H.R. 1, you know, the Voting Rights Act, which basically took away most, most, if not all, of the power from the states. So between abortion, between voting, between the Second Amendment, where they're trying to now uh, slowly eviscerate the Second Amendment rights, they are trying to systematically take away rights, constitutional rights, that are given to the states and to the people, yeah. more importantly, and to take power and to basically to rule over us, to control over us uh, yeah. by way of... of exhibiting power when when you uh 
you see what's happening, and we see the response from people, generally the general population, the general public. Um, as a conservative, I've always known that there was a difference between me and people who aren't conservative. I mean, we just, we know that. We grow up in this world. Um, we generally, I think, have believed we want the same thing. We, we both want freedom, and we both want a better America and a better future for our kids. But we just disagree on how we're going to get there. That's what we disagree on. But now we look at what's happening, and it doesn't even seem like those on the left and those on the right want the same thing. We are not just disagreeing about how to get to the location or the, the destination. We're disagreeing about the destination. Uh, do you see that being the case? Are, are we talking about two different Americas? I, I so often feel like I'm talking past people that don't agree with me. Like we're just not even having the same conversation. Um, is that because we don't view the world the same way? What's, what's happening that's allowed this, this weird universe we're living in right now to take place? Why are we here right now? Well, that's a really, really good question. I mean, I think if we could figure that out, sure, yeah, sure, a lot easier to, to kind of find a nexus. But, you know, I think part of it is just what we deem as being important. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I, it's incredibly difficult to even have a discussion right. with many people on the left. So you can't even reach the point of saying, how can we find some sort of nexus sure. or middle ground. Right. Because as you know, once you start voicing your opinion as a conservative, you're automatically deemed uh, to be whatever they yeah. want to call you. You're a racist, a homophobe, whatever yeah. it is. So, but, but I think it's the issues of importance. You know, if you've noticed so many of the, of the left-wing talking points these days are, are social issues, you know, uh, you know, whether it's, who can marry whom, yeah. who can participate in, with, in sports with whom, yeah. uh, the use of pronouns. I mean, you know, listen, with all due respect, all these things don't really matter right. Right. if you don't have a country. Yeah. Um, you know, Republicans are more focused on some of the bigger issues. You know, how are people going to put food on the table? Mm. How are we going to control the economy? How are we going to control inflation? Uh, Democrats, you know, at least the modern day Democrat, you know, I don't want to classify them into to one big group yeah. because the original classic Democrats don't really exist anymore. Sure. But those that do, they had a different mind frame. So, look, your your guess is as good as mine. It's like two hemispheres. We yeah. are in two different planets when it comes to what we're looking at and what we deem as important. Uh, when when I think of classic liberal or classic Democrat, I think of guys like Joe Manchin. You know, he's an old Democrat and. I think he's held the line for us. It's funny that um, you know I'm rooting for him more than I'm rooting for the Republicans right now because he seems to be the guy who's been the firewall on a lot of these issues. And I know today he, you know, came to some agreement on some things I disagree with. So you know, blows my whole uh, position on him. But I, but he's he's been good and he's been strong. And I think he has understood some things that even a lot of Republicans haven't understood. Do you do you feel like the the Democratic Party has gone too far? I think of things like late-term abortion, um, partial birth abortion. I think of a lot of these social issues, uh, maybe the transgender issue or, you know, men in women's sports and a lot of the social issues you just mentioned. Um, even those who would identify as socially liberal, I, I think a lot of folks have said this is just, this is too far. This is beyond even what I believe 
as a social liberal. I think of someone like Tulsi Gabbard, who is clearly on the left, but she has said, I can't go that far left. And I wonder how many people are, are in that camp. Have the Democrats gone too far? And if so, will that cause the pendulum to swing back in a more conservative direction? Well, you know, I wrote a piece about um, about this not too long ago, and it looked at the effect of, uh, for example, abortion. How much is the Dobbs decision going to sway yeah, or potentially right. sway the election? Right. And to your point, you're exactly right. It's not necessarily that people agreed or disagreed with Dobbs. Okay, yes, uh, there are people who are pro-choice. Sure. There are people who are pro-life. The problem, the disconnect that the Democrats are having with a lot of voters that they're just too extreme. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying. Some voters will say, okay, we agree with abortion up to a certain weak point, you know, 24, what, 15 yeah. weeks. But a lot of them are saying, we don't agree with no, you know, abortion at, uh, on demand yeah. at any yeah. time or uh, abortion after, I think in California, they were looking to allow abortion up to a week sure. after birth. Um, so, uh, you know, the polls show that that's not having a big impact on, you know, uh, on, voters' minds right now, voters are more concerned with some of the issues we talked about earlier, you know, inflation, uh, energy costs, food costs, um, you know, and if Democrats are going to try to make this a referendum on women's rights yeah. and, uh, and abortion, they're not going to fare well. But I'll tell you something, I, I do worry about election integrity, you know, the whole that, that I don't know if it's a simple word to use these days, uh, but I do worry, you know, I, I know a lot of Republicans are talking about a red mm. wave, a red tsunami. And I'll tell you what, uh, you better make sure that you have your, your eyes yeah. dotted and your T's crossed and that uh, people are in place to make sure that, uh, that these new laws that have been passed in some of these states are actually complied with. And uh, because I'll tell you, what happened in 2020 just cannot happen right. again. Yeah. I, and. We seem to have taken some steps forward in that regard. I'll tell you, my my concern is that we will have a red wave during the midterms, and then Republicans will fail to do anything. <laughs> and then come the presidential election, we're going to be in trouble. Um, as an attorney, when you look at whether it's the January 6th hearings, uh, apparently the Justice Department has started an investigation, a criminal investigation, in uh, President Trump's you know relationship to that. Um, what do you think will happen with um, President Trump? Will what is happening prevent him from running again? And I mean, I, I don't know if that's actually the goal. I can't tell. I'm not an attorney, but it seems to be more obfuscation than an actual legal position. But what, what's going to happen there? And will they be able to keep him from from announcing that he's going to run? Well, I don't think anyone is going to keep President Trump from doing anything. Uh, sure. I think <laughs> good point. What President Trump wants to yeah, do. Yeah, good point. Um, listen, th this this hearing is a farce. Okay, yeah. this, this is. I mean, could you imagine? And I posed the question on social media to people who are supporting us. I said, "Listen, put yourself in this position, or take a loved one. If you or your loved one was facing what Trump was facing, yeah, you couldn't provide any opposing evidence. You couldn't cross-examine. You couldn't call your own witnesses. You couldn't do anything. All right, would you still be, you know, supporting this?" Yeah. And none of them were able to give me an answer. One of them told me he wasn't on trial. You know, very, very good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, thank but you. I don't think that uh, you never know with Garland. You never know what he's going to do. I mean, look what's happening with Hunter Biden. If anybody should face charges, mm. um, if there should be a special prosecutor appointed to look into Joe's dealings with his son. 
So you, you never know what's going to happen, and it's kind of we're all kind of guessing. But I don't think if, if President Trump decides to run, which I really do hope he does, uh, because I really do think that he's got unfinished business. Um, I don't think anything's going to stop him from from doing that. Yeah. What should the Republican Party be doing right now that they're not doing? Sticking together. You know, when is the last time you saw a Democrat short of Joe Manchin um, splinter? Yeah. You know, yeah, Republicans right. Republicans splinter all the time. Whether it's the 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 firearm gun deal that they they bipartisan deal that they passed. Or, you know, look at the, the House on the same-sex yeah. marriage. Yeah. Republicans have to stick together. Uh, we don't have the luxury. You know, we don't have the numbers uh, to splinter. Right. Um, and they have to, to toughen up. You know, t- President Trump said it best. Republicans don't know how to get tough. Yeah. They, they, they're always, yeah. you know, so you have your, your fair share of them that always look to appease the other side. It's almost politics for them. Mm. Americans are tired of politics. Yeah. Americans want people who keep their promises. That's why they love Trump so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, and that's, I, I think, when I say that I'm concerned we're going to have a red wave and then lose it after that, that that's the reason. It, it seems like the Republicans don't know how to win <laughs> when they're winning. Uh, they don't know 100%. what to do with that win. A hundred percent. You're right. Yeah. Um, Man, a lot we could say there. When you write, and, and you, you started to write on these things, and um, you're getting broad play, which is great. Um, what, what's your goal as you as you communicate these things? This is not your career. This is something you do in addition to your career. Um, what are you trying to accomplish as you're communicating? You know, as you're writing, as you're doing interviews. What are you hoping to accomplish? Information. You know, I, I hope that enough people listen and see and at least begin to think outside of what they've been programmed to think. Yeah. You know, uh, it's you watch the news, right? What channel do you turn to? You turn to the channel that that yeah, comes yeah. To, you know, that confirms yeah. what you already believe. That's right. That's right. So, so you would hope that people at least take the time and say, you know what? Um, there's a point there. You know, there's a point mm. worth considering. Um, and uh, that's that's the ultimate goal, is yeah. to have people just listen and begin to be a little bit more open-minded. And, hey, maybe there is something more to this, um, or maybe that is something that I didn't consider in the past. Yeah, that's good. How do people process what they're receiving? The information that they're receiving, we don't live at a time where there's a lack of information or communication. Um, but unless we're going to a place that confirms our own biases, and it's safe. That's why we do that, I think. We want to hear what makes us feel, I don't know, assured of our position or whatever. Um, and there's some fear in going somewhere else. How do we go somewhere else, listen to other opinions, and then process that in a way that we can extrapolate the good and, and let go of the bad? What does that look like for people? Well, that's that's very difficult. I mean, I think it takes a certain level of open-mindedness, um, mm. which I... Listen, it's not even easy for me. I mean, because, like you said, the positions are so different now. Yeah. It's not as if you're coming in and you're disagreeing about, you know, something small. Yeah. You're disagree- the disagreements are on fundamental, you know, there are morals and values. I mean, fundamental things. Yes. But you, you know, I've noticed, and it's one thing that both sides are guilty of, you know, you start going out there and and yelling at people yeah. and criticizing yeah, yeah. people and all that. You're not going to change any minds. 
um, you know, you're just gonna you're gonna look like a, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a crazy person, person. Yes. So if you're you know if you're receptive and uh, you try to communicate in an intelligent and calm manner, I think that people at least are more not all of them, but many would be more receptive to hearing what you have to say. I can tell you that I've had a few people come to me and and say, you know. Um, I really appreciate what you said, and yeah. you changed my mind on, on a few issues. And that's all you can hope for. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, you're not yeah. going to change people's minds uh, right away. But so long as you can get them thinking, I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's good. Um, earlier this year, I went, so, okay, so at the end of 2020, the end of 2020, I went on Twitter and I unfollowed anyone that I might possibly disagree with because I was just so angry all the time. Um, and I went back earlier this year and I started following accounts that I wouldn't normally follow like CNN and MSNBC and you know some of these more, I guess, left-wing mainstream uh, accounts. And uh, it's interesting as I you know, would then scroll through, they would say something that they believed to be true or whatever wanted us to believe was true. And, and and it was said, so matter of factly, I'd read it, and it would always cause me to stop, and it has a lot, caused me to stop and go, what was just said there? And, and why was that said? That doesn't make a lot of sense. And uh, even though I disagree with a lot of those positions, it has really helped me just to kind of reframe and rethink about some things that in the past I would have just accepted, because everyone on here believes exactly what I believe, and they're saying what I'm saying, and it's so good to have someone push back on you, even if it's, you know, uh, on social media or something, to just cause you to think right. That's so helpful. Correct. I agree 100%. Now, if they if they start acting, you know, Twitter is kind of unfiltered. Uh, of course, so yeah, of course. Start, uh, and I'm not know, suggesting everyone acting. do that, but that was helpful for me, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if they start acting in a derogatory manner, you know, I, I responded to, I forgot what it was, some issue and uh, something with election integrity and, I had a bunch of people, I mean, really aggressively. Um, so I will just, uh, I'll put an end to that. I'll, yeah. I'll block them. But there were a few that were, you know, smart, calm, respectful, and made good points. Yeah. Um, and you know what? You have to listen to the other side in order to formulate your position. That's right. Um, you know, otherwise you're, you're just kind of like mm. two birds, just chirping, with, yeah. making, giving your positions, and that's it. So. It's so different than the law or any other profession. You have to hear both sides so that you can formulate counter arguments to whatever their side is. Yeah. And without without dealing with them and listening to them, you can't do that. Yeah, I I uh, tire sometimes of even you know accounts that are on the right, people that I do agree with. I mean, I agree with probably ninety nine percent of the time, but it's so much screaming and it's so much noise and it's it it's very intellectually shallow. <laughs> How am I supposed to use this? What am I supposed to do? I agree with you, but how am I supposed to use this? It's, it's speaking to the same crowd that, that would always agree with you. 100%. And it's embarrassing. And I, and I, I, I let my friend, you know, people I, I know that are like that. I said, listen, you are losing a lot of credibility yeah. by doing that. You know, you can make your same point um, in a more sophisticated, yeah, intelligent right, manner. Right. And people will take a lot more kindly to it. That's right. <laughs> Well, and so it, I agree with you. And it's helpful. Both sides. It has to be helpful. I, you know, what I, I can make a point, and we can all make a point. We all have access to the social media platforms, but uh, but what's the point of making the point if it's not helpful, right? And I, I think we need yeah. to look for what is helpful and and what is intellectually honest. There are things I agree with just because of the person that said it. That's not intellectually honest or helpful. We need to you know question and ask 
uh, why we believe those things. Uh, on the subject of election integrity, I realize I'm jumping all over the place, but I mean, you bring up so many good things, and you've written on so many good things. On election integrity, a lot of good uh, things have happened since the 2020 election. Um, how do we make sure, and you mentioned this earlier, how do we make sure that there is integrity? How do we make sure that what has been decided or what has been said, what's been voted on by states and state legislatures, how do we make sure that we do have honest elections? What practically can we do to make sure that happens? You know, pray. Yeah. Pray a lot. <laughs> we do that, yes. I, I posed the question. Um, I said, listen, it's one thing to pass laws, right? Great. We pass laws. We, you know, some states are getting rid of drop boxes. There's more vote by, yep. there's tougher requirements for yep. ID and all that. But what about the people who are supposed to check that ID? Yeah. What about the people who are, you know, in the, the voting the, yep. the rooms? Yep. How do we ensure that there are no sour apples there? You know, I don't know if you can, you can't guarantee anything. Right. You get as many people on the ground as you can, um, you know, if you're a Republican. Um, but part of it is... I mean, I'm serious. Part of it is just you pray and you hope uh, that uh, that you can, because there's no there's no foolproof way. Yeah. There's no way. There's no foolproof way to to guarantee the, the integrity of the elections. Uh, you just pass laws to the best of your ability, and uh, and then hope that they are that they're followed. I mean, yeah. What else can you do? Yeah, and and remaining vigilant. I guess if you see something that's not right, then call it out and you know, be willing to stand up, but you're exactly right. We need the right people. Um, you know, I think of so many things that are happening in our society. We need to wind back to where it begins. It begins in kindergarten where teachers are talking about every crazy thing to kindergartners. And that begins to develop a character that is kind of antithetical to our American way of life. And these kids, and they grow up, they go into high school, they get into colleges where they're taught something completely different. And and we really need to focus on the character of people. And I think that, that, 100%. yeah. And I don't know if you heard what happened in Florida. You know, I, I you know, for, I, I should add, it'd be, it's nice to have a, a tough governor, you know, a, a no-nonsense yeah. governor. And, uh, you know, we saw what happened in, in Georgia yep. in 2020, as opposed to take someone like, you know, Florida, right? You know, I have, uh, we have Governor DeSantis. Yep. He's a no-nonsense governor, yep. you know, and just recently, uh, just yesterday, there was a, I think it was yesterday, uh, administrative complaint that was filed against the bar in Miami because the bar was basically, the allegations are that, hey, we have video of drag shows going on wow. here with young kids. Mm. You know, young kids are at this bar and there's drag shows and they're putting yep. dollar bills into the, um, so there was a lawsuit filed yeah. now um, seeking to revoke the liquor license. Wow. Uh, from that bar. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I just bring that up because you're right. It starts from a young age. I mean, they're trying to indoctrinate and sexualize kids in school. They're trying to teach CRT in the classroom. Yep. Um, they're, they're, people are being sued for misgendering. Um, I mean, years Crazy. ago, this would have been yeah. insane yep. to even think yep. about. <laughs> yes. And this is, this is what society is all about. This is what the left is concerned about when people can't put food on the table, when it costs $100 to fill up your yep. car with gas, yep. this is what's important. Yeah. yeah, what a crazy time we're living in. Um, information is so powerful. The tagline of our show is giving you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And I think 
as culture changes, we need the right information and the right perspectives. Um, and, and to that end, where, where can people follow you? You write on these issues and you do think clearly. Uh, it makes sense and we can use these things uh, as we're out and about in our lives. Where can people follow you and the work that you do? Find me on Twitter at Alal yeah. Hakim. Otherwise, you know, I have uh, on Facebook, Thoughtfully Conservative is the name of my, right. uh, my page. So just look me up and, and jump in. No matter where you stand, feel free to follow and, and to jump in. That's awesome. Alal Hakim, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and your insights. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, sir. So appreciate those perspectives. Uh, Elite is, is one of those guys, and you just listened to the show, so you know this. Um, I just had so many different questions, <laughs> different questions, and uh, it's so clear. I, I love clear thinking because clear thinking is helpful to me, and it allows me to think a little more clearly and to be able to really state my own positions better. So really appreciate it. Please follow Elite. Um, go to Twitter. He's there. He's very active there. Follow him as he writes and as he speaks, you'll be better off for it. So please do that. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, make sure that you subscribe. You can subscribe right now, wherever it is you're listening from. You're listening, subscribe right now. Before you do anything else, subscribe. Then go over to YouTube. You can find our channel, The Situation Report. And on The Situation Report YouTube channel, you can also subscribe. Then hit that notification bell. Leave us a comment. Share this content out. That will be helpful to you, to the people you share with, and certainly to us. Appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. 
It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all the planning and all the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, (laughs) the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply 
fill that out, application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.